Welcome to Oh No, Ross and Carrie, the show where we don't just report on French science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal, but take part ourselves. Yep, when they make the claims, should we do the too? And also, <laughs> when they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. I'm Carrie Poppy. And I'm Ross Botcher. And today we are going to share my testimony, my faith journey. Testimony. I like mm-hmm. this. This makes me think of Mormon church. Did you not call it testimony in your other church? Mm-mm. Whoa. I mean, we talked about having a testimony. That would be the story you tell about why yeah. you came to faith, but you wouldn't stand up in church and share it like they do at Mormon church. <sighs> we gave our testimony. Oh, I want to hear all about regularly. it. Regularly. All right. All right. Well, that's the point of this episode. All right. This is also week two of Maximum Fun yes. Drive, meaning it's our final week of Maximum Fun Drive. That's right. The ultimate week. And we just want to reinforce how important membership support is for this show. Yes. That is pretty much how this show done get made and all the shows on the Max Fun Network. It's where, listen, I, we couldn't make the show without you. It wouldn't happen. It would not happen. There would be no show. There would be no show. And thank you. Thank you so much to everybody who does donate to MaximumFun.org. We've been hearing from so many of you who've been supporting our show. Thank you so much. And this is the best time of the year. You know, the rest of the year we say you can support us, MaximumFun.org slash join. And that's true. That is very true. But this is the week you all wait for Mm -hmm. uh, when that not only helps us set ourselves up for the rest of the year, but also helps the whole network and you get all of these extra benefits out of it too. Yeah. Why just give when you can also receive? Not just the helper's high of all of these neurotransmitters rushing through (laughs) your nervous system. Feeling good about yourself. Feeling good because you've helped out, you've made this show possible, but also things like bonus content. Because depending on the level of support you choose when you join or upgrade, we have some very cool thank you gifts that we only offer during Max Fun Drive. Obviously, any time of the year that you want to join, we encourage it. We want yes. it. Yes. But do you want a little something, something for you? Something to take home to mommy? Well, this is the week to do it. Not to mention that you help unlock our stretch goals if you contribute this week. Yeah. But if you're already excited and want to sign up right now, go to MaximumFun.org slash join. Please do. So in our last episode, Ross told you about baby Ross. Mm-hmm. And in this episode, you'll hear about baby Carrie, born one year later. Well, 11 months later. You ready? Uh, yes. So a warning to the listener more than to you, Ross. But this will be like a fairly incomplete story. You'll probably notice big gaping holes in it hmm. that are really just because my family of origin story is just completely tragic. Aww. And there are people who are still alive who it would hurt for me to share certain things. Maybe one day. One of those things will change. Either they won't mind or they won't be here. But for now, there are just some things I can't say. So, And there's a chance they may listen to the show or the information from the show would get back to them. Creep out there. Okay. So apologies for that in advance. Feel free to ask me, but I just may say, yeah, I know that sounds weird. I can't tell you more. Okay. Okay. Well, I was born on July 13th, 1983. At Verdugo Hills Hospital oh. in La Cunada. <laughs> Do you know it? I know Verdugo Hills. Oh, okay. This hospital at least is in La Cunada, California, which is next to La Crescenta, California, which is where I grew up. 
which is where a lot of people from JPL mm -hmm, live. Mm -hmm. La Cunada mostly, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's where JPL is. La Cunada will play a big role in this story. A beautiful area. Really nice hill town above Los Angeles. Oh my gosh. I'll try not to get into a tangent on La Crescenta La Cunada, but this year I went on a deep dive into history of La Crescenta and La Cunada, oh. and that shit is bonkers. That could be a third episode, the history of La Crescenta okay. and La Cunada. Oh, La Crescenta is also where we went to the Ordo Templi right. Orientis. Just thinking that, yeah. which is related to JPL because mm -hmm. Jack Parsons was a rocket scientist, a.k.a. kind of cult leader. Yeah. <laughs> At least cultist. I don't know if it's fair to call him a cult leader. And also, when we went up in that area to film our Ormus segment mm -hmm. you showed me your original house oh yeah 2503 you... harmony place yeah really pretty little place oh yeah la crescenta california 91214 our home phone number was 818-249-9060 nice thank you two doors up from the house where i grew up is the site of sandra bullock stalkers uh, <laughs> that's right you death. pointed that out to me okay <laughs> yep where he died lived and died he stalked her the police came he had barricaded himself in with a bunch of arms and oh my goodness it ended how you might expect that would end but that's two doors up i was gonna make some miscongeniality joke and it just <laughs> it wasn't gonna be good yeah that's probably right when i heard about that stalker i like heard that he was from the foothills and i was like oh that's crazy i'm from the foothills and then i saw like oh no it's la crescenta and oh, i was like oh that's crazy i'm from la crescenta <laughs> oh wait harmony place <laughs> And then I saw the address, and oh it was so God. close. Just like I, two houses two down. Two houses. Oh, that's insane. Two houses east. <sighs> okay, anyway, that's not the point. The point is, when I was born, my parents brought me home to a little house on Raymond Avenue. I don't know the address, mm. but we always called that the little house because apparently it was very small. And then my parents and my sibling and I moved when I was like two, so I don't remember that. Okay. At all. So in 1984, at age one, I apparently fell into a fireplace and cracked my skull open. Whoa. Yeah. And we didn't visit this in any of our Scientology auditing? Great point. Because that's an early engram right there. Yeah. Cracked your skull? Apparently. <gasps> I don't remember it, obviously. And I don't have a scar that I know of unless it's under my hair. Wow. I was also born with a hole in my heart. Oh, my goodness. I came into this world just ready to be broken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the hole closed up on its own, though, so. Oh, good. Yeah. I've heard of such things happening. Okay. Yeah, but anyway, I fell into this fireplace, and so for the rest of my life, my mom would be like, don't put your back to the fireplace. Oh. I'll still think that, like, oh, is, that's bad luck or something. Never put your back to a fireplace. 1987, became a vegetarian. Okay, yes, very early. Four yeah. years old. Yep, four years old, eating bacon at the table, and I asked my mom how they get the bacon out of the pig, mm -hmm. and she said, oh, the bacon is the pig, honey, and I like thought about that for a while, eating it, and I was like, well, wait, they don't have to kill it, right? And she's like, oh, fuck, and my mom has told me since that her philosophy was like, if the child can ask the question, the child yeah. deserves the answer. That's a good philosophy. It's a good philosophy. I'm not sure she followed it everywhere, but anyway, she said, yeah, they kill all the animals that we eat and I was like fuck no <laughs> and I slapped it down and I refused to eat it and I was the only vegetarian in my family huh. and I'm sure that was very easy for everybody <laughs> you know my mom nominally supported me okay I guess all of my family say they supported me but then 
it was also 1987. They didn't know any vegetarians. Sure. I was four. So they were afraid I was going to be malnourished or whatever. Mm-hmm. So my mom would like grind up meat and soup and stuff. Like, oh, no. In there. Oh, but, no. Yeah. I forgive her. It's okay. The reason I include this in my faith story is because from a really early age, I knew that good people can do things that I find horrendous, Mm, mm -hmm. and this doesn't change their moral state. We all just have like sort of these different, whether it's levels of awareness or different intuitions about what's good and bad. And like, these are people who I knew were like, not monsters doing Mm -hmm. this thing I considered monstrous. So I do think that set me up for a lot of what we do here Mm. in that like, it's very hard for me to imagine a bad person, like a genuinely bad person who chooses to do bad things. Wakes up in the morning and says, how can I make the world worse today? (laughs) Right. And I don't deny that that's possible that those people exist and probably do because like the human brain can come in basically every variety. But that person is always sort of the farthest version of a human in my mind when I Mm. meet somebody. Mm -hmm. Okay, then 1988 started going to horse camp. Riding horses. Rode horses for a long time. Oh, I know why I'm telling you this. Because <laughs> later on, I will break my arm riding a horse. And that will be oh, yeah. an important moment in my life. 1991, I stopped pooping. You know the story about yes. me not pooping. So for a whole month, didn't poop. Probably was doing that regularly. But this was the point at which my parents were like, something is wrong with this at child. At least you were doing something regularly. <laughs> But not pooping. (laughs) Right. You were regularly, not regularly pooping. Correct. That's correct. Yeah, I was being consistent about it. I was getting these like crippling stomach pains and stuff. And my mom took me to the doctor and he was like, this x-ray shows that there's just feces like pouring out of your colon. And I was like, oh, yeah, I hold it in. I keep it from coming out of my butt. And he's like, you need to let it out of your butt. Well, you got it worked out. Sort of. Still... Keep quite a log of my poops. Carrie looks at the wall calendar. Is this all relevant to my faith journey? I don't know. We'll find out. So 1991. These are my notes that I'm reading here. It says, stop pooping. Start being scared of God. Oh, okay. Same year about. My first like real memories of talking about God are mostly just like being afraid of him. Mm. So we didn't have much of a conversation going on as a family about God, but there was that understanding. Like, we are Christians. Mm, okay. That is our religion. We believe in Jesus. It seems like a lot of people whose families aren't overtly or actively religious will have a story where the kid kind of comes home after seeing something mm. at school and like, wait, what religion are we? Was it kind of like that for you or did it come up well, naturally? It, it came up because we went to church for Easter and Christmas, or maybe just Christmas. Oh. We just went on Christmas. Those kind of twice a year or mm-hmm. once a year Christians. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I was aware. And every night my mom would give me a blessing and that had the words Jesus and God in the blessing. Hmm. And sometimes my dad would say the Lord's Prayer, but that kind of fizzled out pretty fast. Interesting. So religion was this thing that kind of like tacks that hold down a poster. They're there, they're reliably there, but they're few and far between. You don't need that much of it. Okay. So the first like very clear visual memory I've got that regards religion is standing in the bathroom of the house where I grew up. 2503 Harmony Place, and like praying and crying and like asking God to forgive me for being like such a bad person. And I was 
you know, eight. Eight. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, I, I, it always makes me so sad hearing about a little child just feeling so angsty about their own horrible misdeeds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not that any kid is truly bad, but like I was not doing anything even on the bell curve high on it. You're you already know? a vegetarian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And being like, but I shouldn't judge them for not being. So anyway, I remember this because as I was doing that crying and praying and you know, don't send me to hell or whatever it was. Do you remember kind of what it was you thought you had done? I don't think it was a behavior. I think it was a general, like, I'm not good enough uh-huh. kind of feeling. Okay. And also, I had already been taught that God can hear your thoughts. So it doesn't matter what you do anyway, you know, if God's in there all the time. Right, you can't keep anything from him. So I remember my mom, like, peeking through the door and seeing me doing that, you know, hands in prayer position and crying and saying, Carrie, are you okay? And I said, yes! And I shut the door real fast. Like the little hellion you were. Right, right. Really dishonoring my mother. And I think she didn't really know what to do with that. And (laughs) so we didn't talk about it. But that's my first memory of like, okay, this sort of creeping fear of God was beginning. Wow. And even without the constant church influence, and you were, I assume, at public schools. Yeah, that's a good point. There was none of that influence. And I think probably for most families, this works out fine Mm -hmm. until you have very thinky child (laughs) you just mentioned like oh by the way contrary to everything you'd expect on this plane there is a guy who lives in the sky and he can hear your thoughts and also he can do something terrible to you when you die okay anyway go to school so for me that was like what the fuck this is completely upending you know (laughs) this is contrary to everything else i'm supposed to be doing in this world i what am i supposed to do with this so i found that all like fairly anxiety-provoking, but we were never talking about it. Then when I was about 11... I'm sorry, this just makes me curious. What was the role of Santa Claus in your upbringing? Bracketing the conversation, we're talking about Santa Claus. We we once had someone write us very angry (laughs) that that we hadn't warned that we were going to talk about Santa Claus. And Yeah, I love that, that they were like, you can talk about how God's not real. Now my child is asking me questions. (laughs) Anyway, go back to saying shit and fuck all the time. Uh, Bless them. Yes, Santa Claus did come to our house. And so did the Easter Bunny. So did the Leprechauns. Tooth Fairy. So did the Tooth Fairy until I found the teeth. (gasps) Bracketing this, we're talking about teeth. (laughs) Found the teeth on my mom's bed. Okay, but Santa Claus knowing when you're good and bad and when you're sleeping and when you're awake, that that didn't play the same role. No, I guess not. Okay. I think I also figured Santa out. Talking about Santa again. (laughs) Now we're done talking about Santa. So, oh, this is important just to me. 1992, two of the greatest pieces of media hit my life. I read Harriet the Spy for the first time, which I would read every summer through like (gasps) high school. Wow. And my first viewing of My Girl, the movie My Girl. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I was like. That's heavy. These are, oh, I guess so. But I was like, this is a character who finally represents me. Look at her overthink everything. Oh, yeah. This child with clear OCD that no one's talking about. Little uh, Thora Birch, right? Anna Klumsky. Was that the character name or is that the actor name? The actor name. The character name is Veda Sultanfus. (gasps) Oh. Oh, I need to watch it. I haven't seen it since I was a kid. Oh, it's so good. So then 1993... I fall off a horse and break my arm. So I landed right on my, what's this called? 
elbow. Carrie's pointing. Okay, yes. It lands right on my elbow. It She's shatters her, in a million pieces. Her right arm. Yeah. The one that can bend backwards. Yep. Whoa. Shatters in a million pieces. I have to miss school for like a few months, which now that I think about it seems excessive. Wow. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was a few months because I remember getting back and being really far behind. And my teacher was such a huge biatch about it. Oh, no. I'm telling you things that have nothing to do with my face. She was another point, Sally Ellisby. That was the name yeah. of my teacher that I was so mad at. I, I couldn't remember at the time. These people should know they have young minds yeah. in their care. Anyway, she really treated me like I was like very lazy and dumb. And it was like I was out of school for weeks. Man, young minds are so impressionable. Everything is like imprinted very strongly, sticks with you for life. You got to be careful yeah. how you treat kids really. that age. Although on the other side of it, I don't trust my memories at all. So who Fair. knows? Maybe this woman was a tiger. I don't know. <laughs> um, and in fact, that's a good note. Most of these dates are guest guesstimates. Okay. okay. So anyway, break my arm. Same year, there's like a lot of really serious internal struggle going at home. I think this is the same year that the movie Philadelphia came out, which oh. for some reason my parents let me watch. Wow. And so I was watching it and I was very confused. I was like, what is this? So it's a story about a gay guy and he also has AIDS. And so I was like very confused by the whole thing. It was and, expecting a lot of external knowledge that you didn't have. Right. And so I asked my mom, I don't know what what exactly I asked her, but somehow it ended at her having to define for me what a gay person is. Mm. And so she said, this is honestly how she started the definition. Well, there's normal people like you and me. Oh, no. <laughs> who like, you know, you're a girl and you like boys. Mm -hmm. I'm a girl and I like boys. And then there are boys who like boys. And then there are girls who like girls. And she didn't say it like... I would have been impressed if anyone in my family could have come up with such, even that equanimical <laughs> oh, of a so I was just going to say, it wasn't quite condemnatory. Okay. But that beginning part, sure. there's normal people like you and me, <laughs> right. definitely signaled to me like, this will be a thing you will not be and you cannot be, or this is going to be a whole thing. And I was like, oh, shit. Well, like, I have a crush on Alice at the barn. Is mm. this oh, okay. So I'm one of the bad things. I better not tell mom about Alice. <laughs> right. Fortunately for me and not for society, I also was aware that I liked boys at least as much. So it's just like, okay, so focus on that. You ignore the other thing. Great. Got it. So I'm one of those straight passing bisexuals who got through it. Okay. Okay. So then age 11, my friend Linda went to church camp and she had been like my best friend. I'd say my best friend as a child. And she came back from church camp just with stars in her eyes about how amazing it was. Oh, church camp was so great. And she had never been someone who went to church more than I did. So mm. it's like, oh, this is interesting. And the year that she went, the theme had been the Lion King. Oh, ho, ho, ho. that's a good theme. Right. And if you want to get me to go to camp. Tell me the theme might be the Lion King. Oh, oh, that's right? how they get you. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to go to church camp next year. And for some reason, I just thought like it's always going to be the Lion King. It's just Camp Lion King. <laughs> oh, I just can't <laughs> wait to go to Christian camp. <laughs> exactly. So it's like waiting the whole year. And I told my mom like, I want to go to camp with Linda next year. I hear that it's so amazing. Oh, no. And then it was Pocahontas. <laughs> No, the theme was Anchors Away. Okay. It was just a nautical theme. Oh. Yeah. 
But I did go, Linda went, and holy moly, like suddenly, instead of being at home alone all the time, Mm -hmm. being like a latchkey kid with no one around, my sibling hardly ever being there, and my parents being like intense workaholics most of the time, suddenly it was like, oh my God, just like people who agree to be your family. Oh, people who are interacting with me. (laughs) They're looking at me. They care what I think and say. Yeah, yeah. And they worship Um, Poseidon. Yeah, and that's Or was that part of the nautical thing? No, no. Have I misunderstood? (laughs) Probably it would have worked just as well. (laughs) Yeah, that's a weird thing to think about. Like, what if it had been Mormon camp or something? Sure. What would have happened? Yeah. For what it's worth, this camp was associated with the church that I went to every Christmas. Oh, interesting. So it did feel familiar, like an outgrowth of your Christian experience. Yeah, and it was like, understood what denominations were. Yeah, there was this sense of, okay, this is what I already am supposed to believe. So Mm -hmm. there's no thinking through that aspect of it. Do you remember what kind of denomination it was? Oh, yeah, Presbyterian. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I would go to that church for years after. Yeah, we didn't talk about this too much in the last episode. We talked a lot about denominations, but we didn't talk about kind of the hierarchy within Christianity. Most people know about the Protestant and Catholicism Mm -hmm. division that happened back in like, you know, 1500s. But then within Protestantism, there's a lot of denominations that are kind of closer to that original Catholic organization. Mm. They're more liturgical, more focused on, well, liturgy and certain procedures that you do. Mm -hmm. And I would say that the Presbyterian Church is somewhere in the middle, but slightly more on that kind of liturgical side. That Methodist Church I was talking about, that would also be more liturgical, Mm -hmm. closer to the Catholic Earlier versions, of course, the Lutheran church would be even closer, and you have, like, the Anglican church. Anyways, more denomination talk. Yeah, I guess this was fairly liturgical, and I never really thought about it that way, but that's true. I mean, spoiler, I start going to this church all the time, Mm. and there were definite structures to every Sunday, like you could expect that you walk in and first you hear. Yeah. I don't remember the names of everything, but, you know, first you hear the The Apostles' Creed. And and then, yeah, yeah, and then such and such, and then the benediction. And and I I would say, at least nowadays, I didn't have any familiarity with it back then, but the Presbyterian Church kind of, depending on which one you go to, can ride along that spectrum. So did you have people wearing robes? Yeah. There were robes. Okay. And we were Presbyterian Church USA, which is different from just the Presbyterian Church. Yes. Very important. Presbyterian Church USA tends, or at least did at the time, tended to be slightly more liberal than Mm -hmm. the other. But even so, when gay marriage came into the cultural conversation, things got very messy. These are how new denominations get formed. You have a group of people that get really angry at the other group within their church. Well, we're going to start the new version of Presbyterian. Also how Facebook groups get formed. Mm -hmm. So I go to this camp. And looking back, that community feeling was a huge part of it, though I wouldn't have expressed it as such at the time. Mm. I also was just totally lacking any sense of structure. Like I didn't have chores. I could go home and not do my homework at all and nothing would happen until my bad grades poured in. I just had, like, no sense of, like, what I'm supposed to do as a person. Like, what are the rules of being a person? Hmm. So going to this camp and being told, like, okay, sweet, there's a book. 
There's like mm, one mm-hmm. manual is all you need. You follow this. You've already done 11 years on this earth. You got what, 60, maybe 70 <laughs> more? Like just follow this and that's it. It's a whole rule. And it was just like, oh my God, thank God. <laughs> so I got really, really into the Bible and I started going to church many times a week. So there was Sunday service and I would go to two Sunday services big church and youth group. Oh, yeah. Okay. And then there was a Wednesday night modern prayer service, which meant there was like a guy with a guitar. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, And then there was a Thursday night, like more fun youth group thing where you brought your friends who aren't Christian and you were like, we watch a movie. (laughs) That was on Thursdays. And then, you know, there would be additional pop-up events and stuff. I would go to everything on the calendar. Sounds pretty fun. It was great. If there's one thing you can take from this story, it was church was fucking the best. I loved it. And I bet they fed you as well. Well, we had donuts on Sundays. Okay. I guess that's it. All right, well. Wasn't a lot of food. And does not live on bread alone. He also (laughs) needs donuts. I ate other places (laughs) as well. So... This same year, I also met Mike Langford, my youth pastor at the time. Mm-hmm. And Mike was, like, when I look back on this, like, Mike was a fucking saint. <laughs> like, he was 27, I was 13. And I just immediately glommed onto him as just like the nicest any adult has ever been to me, you oh, know, wow. at this point. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> God, like, gave him. Gave him like a best friend necklace, like a, <laughs> you know, like where yours locks to theirs. Yeah. Gave him like a best friend necklace. It's like 27. This 13 year old girl is Aww. like, you're my best friend. But he would just be so sweet about it. And I would call him like every other day for advice. And he'd just pick up the phone and be like, ah, oh, Carrie, uh, who'd believe you're calling? <laughs> you know, stuff like that. And then talk to me for an hour or whatever. It's just the sweetest man. I feel like that sort of thing just can't really happen anymore because we have to be so wary of when relationships don't play out that way. So that's nice to hear. Right. Yeah, totally. And good reason for that <laughs> because yeah. at the same church, not with the same pastor a church intern had a quote-unquote relationship with mm. a little girl where she was 14 and he was like 23 or something oh, yeah. oh. and some he, stories he, like that in my respective institutions okay yeah he went to prison for three years wow okay. yeah but not mike so mike like i still i'm getting like a little teary right now thinking yeah he was really a buoy for me like through those years and I still am close to him actually I'll be calling him this weekend because right. I, I call him Mother's every year Day. <laughs> every year to remind him about Mother's Day because once at church he said oh crap Mother's Day is next week someone call and remind me so of course I <laughs> you took that upon yourself I go good another reason to call Mike so shout out to Mike Langford and he now lives in Washington State and teaches at Seattle Pacific University okay so if you go there say hi to Mike Langford he's the best Okay, 1996. But before I tell you about that, I must tell you about my favorite week of the year. That would be Maximum Fun Drive. Maximum Fun Drive. That's right. This is the time where we all come together to support all the shows on Maximum Fun. Yes, shows like this one that you are listening to now and other ones that you may listen to in your ear holes like Bullseye. 
That's or, a great show. Yes, it's a wonderful show. <laughs> Sometimes I host it. It's no big deal. Or Jordan Jesse Go, or Go Fact Yourself, or Judge John Hodgman, or Reading Glasses, or Sawbones. Uh, Fanti. Uh, yeah, Fanti. Good one. Or We Got This. Yeah, or uh, My Brother, My Brother, and Me. Uh, Schmanners. <laughs> Tights and Fights, Minority Corner. Sorry, I really stalled out there for a second. Anyway, there are so many good shows on MaxFun. And when you become a member during the MaxFun Drive, you get to decide which shows benefit. That's right. It's sort of a uh, a Red Rover of... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> fun drives is that true i don't know now i'm picturing us holding hands and our <laughs> listeners running at us it's a little scary i'm not sure what the metaphor there is well the point is max fun is audience supported which means we're free to make the content you enjoy because people like you contribute and when you become a member what i was getting at is that <laughs> when you become a member you say which shows you listen to mm-hmm. and then your donation is split up between those shows absolutely and we've been lucky to have you as a community grow up around us and this is the time to become a part of the family yeah make it official okay if you like it put a ring on it that's what i always <laughs> say so at max fun the artists make the content our audience listens and shares and our members provide the funding that really make it all possible and we get it you might be in a place where you can't give right now that's okay just remember this gloria remember when you're rich <laughs> i'm gonna come the frick after you if you don't become a member and maybe you're at a position where you're donating at a certain level maybe you can't quite reach the next level we also have the boost option which yes. which i just did i just boosted my max okay. fund membership so that also counts towards our stretch goals and maximum funds overall goals of increasing membership so that's another great way to help out ross thank you for upgrading your membership you are welcome see this could be you todd doesn't this feel good ross someone thanking you for being a member i feel fantastic holy crap what are all these new feelings (laughs) rushing inside me i feel like my heart just grew two sizes Ross is having his first emotions, and Devin, you can have them too by becoming a Maximum Fun member. And this past year has really shown us how important these creators are, this this community, and hopefully we've been a part of that in your life. Mm-hmm. Familiar voices that can keep you company, help you laugh, help you think, help you interact, and, and maybe get a little sense of normality in all this craziness. Fingers crossed. <laughs> and if this show has done that for you and you're able to join, we really encourage you to do that right now. And membership at Max Fun starts at just five bucks a month. Yeah. That is less than I spend on a latte at Starbucks because they don't comp soy milk. So that gets you all the bonus content and you'll be able to access that bonus content as long as you're a member. And there is so much of it waiting for you right now. Yeah, because ours goes back to 2014 when we started on the network. And I'm looking at it now. We've got movie commentaries for Star Wars, for Midsommar, Cars that you did with Jordan oh, Morris. That's right. Yes, yes. Oh, uh, we've also got. Oh, and Thrive. Yes, Thrive, oh, that's right. The documentary about who knows what. <laughs> Uh, We've also got like mailbag episodes. We've got Q&As, some really interesting interviews, follow-ups on some of our investigations. We've also got our infamous firewalking episode (laughs) and also our Max Fun dream date uh, when we tried out the Miracle Berries. Mm -hmm. That was a lot of fun too. So all of that is available, plus brand new bonus content that we've just added, Caroline Opals and the Mystery Boxes. Very famous novella written by me, age 12-ish. 
which I have listened to now, and it was very enjoyable. I took oh, good. Phew. It, took it on a run with me. And you were absolutely right that kiwi strawberry is the best Snapple flavor. Oh, is that in there? Yes. Okay. All right. Yep. 12-year-old Carrie <laughs> knew where it was at. <laughs> Okay, great. With Snapple. And and you get to hear Golly interrupt the recording. I have to say, I get how difficult it is to read an audiobook, and it's very impressive that you just kind of sat down and did that all as one straight set. Oh, well, thank you. Because normally I would as I was listening to it, I would think, okay, I would edit out this restart, but it was it was really smooth given okay. the situation of the cat trying to get <laughs> on your lap. Yeah, that was just a straight up straight recording. And we have another track, which is me reading passages from L. Ron Hubbard's Scientology, A History of Man. Huh, that sounds exciting. That sounds active. That sounds nope. like something I'm going to... Well, no. no. It's very boring and slow. Oh, that sounds interesting in a different way. <laughs> yeah. So the reason for that was because it is a sleep track that yeah. is supposed to... <clears throat> that is supposed to put you to sleep. And I read it like this. It genuinely sounds like this and it, it'll it do the job, y'all. This is pretty fantastic. A listener named Kinsey Millhouse wrote today and said, I got my second Pfizer vaccine yesterday and my arm was really sore. I woke up in the middle of the night and couldn't get back to sleep. Then I noticed Ross's L. Ron Hubbard reading in the Max Fun <laughs> bonus feed. Well, after about 10 minutes of listening to Ross drone on about Scientology, <laughs> I fell asleep. I'm definitely keeping this on my phone. <laughs> Excellent. If you choose to join or upgrade at $10 a month, you get a Max Fun member membership card and a cool pin of your choice and ours is very fun it's a demon hotel yes with a demon sitting on top of the vacancy sign it says no vacancy and he's a really cute little demon he's mm-hmm. someone you'd want to take home yeah to meet your mother exactly so we're going to be taking a break from pins for a bit after this year so you're going to want to get this year's pin and remember you, you have to be a ten dollar per month member or above in order to partake in the final pin sale. So if you want to buy some of the other show pins as well, this is your chance. That's your entry point. Very exclusive sale. It's not like one of these book sales you've that got, you went to in elementary school where anybody can go. You've no. got till this Friday and maybe the weekend because it might be an it's amnesty Friday. period. Yeah, if you do the weekend, it's okay. But but, it's, like, but but Friday. But time's a-wasting. Yeah. And if you join or upgrade at $20 a month or more, you get this year's special gift. The Max Fun Take a Minute Tea Kit. Yeah, this is really pretty. Really nice artwork on that. It's custom tin with the art by Atomic Pixies, a rocket shaped tea infuser, and a custom Max Fun blend of tea from our friends at Wishes Tea. It is a orange rooibos tea, I believe. Caffeine free. Yes, Ooh. very fancy. We think you deserve to take a minute for yourself and enjoy a nice hot drink. And again, if you're already a member, thank you so much. Yes, thank you. For keeping us going all these years. You are the wind beneath our wings. That's right. Little baby Carrie, age nine, would be so proud of you for doing your moral duty. So if you want to join Booster Upgrade, go to MaximumFun.org forward slash join. Do it. Okay. 1996. More awful stuff is happening in my family. I'm still going to church all the time. So this year I go back to church camp. And luckily this church camp had not just a summer camp, but also a winter camp. Yeah. Okay. Just more, more church, more, more camp. church camp. Yeah. So I would just wait the whole year. I'd be like counting down the days till, <laughs> you know, time to go back to forest home. So this one winter camp that I think I've placed in 1996 This young woman who was presumably a camp counselor there gave a talk 
about how she met her husband. Hmm. And the story goes that she was dating this guy and she really liked him, but she wasn't sure if her parents liked him enough. And was she getting a signal from God that he was her husband or not? And I think she was going to college in the story. And she came home from college and she just couldn't sleep. She just kept thinking about like, is this supposed to be the guy I'm supposed to marry? I don't know. My dad only seems to like him, but not be super enthusiastic about him. I don't know. And so as she's laying up thinking about this, she's like, well, I can't go to sleep. I'm just going to go into my parents' garage and organize some boxes because I know they have a bunch of my old shit. Okay. She's going through all these old boxes and she finds a journal from when she was, you know, 11, 12, where she was writing to God and she said, I just want to know when I meet him, tell me when I meet the man I'm supposed to marry, hmm. make it so I can't sleep. Oh, wow. What an interesting little hook there at the end. Okay. Yeah. So immediately she just knows. <sighs> it's meant to be. Yep. Oh, oh my goodness. Okay. This is a message from God. Sweet and sad at the same time. <laughs> I mean, hopefully it was just giving her permission to do what she maybe, wanted maybe to Maybe it's do. what she needed. Yeah. yeah. So she marries him. So this story just like, oh my God, landed with me mm. so hard. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to do the same thing because you can rely on God to just make it so you don't sleep. Oh no. Bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> oh, so you were focused on that particular method yes. of revelation, not just God can speak to us in these you know, subtle That's ways. That's correct. Okay. It's like, okay. God speaks with lost sleep. <laughs> Got it. Insomnia <laughs> equals God. No problem. So that night. Oh, and also the speaker's name was Carrie. Oh, wow. Okay. A sign in and of itself, now, people. Now I understand why that was so impactful. So that night I prayed the same prayer. God, when I meet the man I'm supposed to marry, make it so I can't sleep. Okay. Certainly something well, we, that human psychology will not affect. We know that it's a promise that God will honor for people named Carrie. Right. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So put a pin in that thought. So 1997 rolls around. Now I'm 13 going on 14. And my friend Bridget, who I had been friends with since I was little, since like second grade, but off and on, not a super close friend. But she had cystic fibrosis, and it became increasingly obvious that she was on borrowed time. Mm. And so this particular February, she caught pneumonia. Oh, no. And so, and like, when she was born, her parents had been told she would probably live to about six, and we were 13. Wow. So we- It, had, it already felt like a, a miracle of sorts. Yeah, or like, some people say it can be harder to lose a parent at 100 than 80, because you just get used to like, oh, dad is impenetrable, you Right. Know? So I think a similar thing happened here, where I was like, sure, she was supposed to go at six, but she didn't. Like, she's going to grow old with us. That anticipation had played out, and now she's just part of your life. Yeah. So she gets pneumonia, and the adults in our lives start saying, like, just want to be clear about this, like, we probably will lose Bridget. Hmm. And so I start asking our friends, does anyone know Bridget's religion? Hmm. And everyone's like, I'm Christian? But no one's sure. And I'm like, no, did, did she accept Jesus Christ? Because I learned at church camp, you need to accept Jesus Christ specifically. You can't just, like can't be that your parents are Christian. You must accept him. There are steps to this. So everyone's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know if she's like as religious as you are, Carrie. And so she was in the hospital. I called her hospital room and she answered. Oh and I was like, 
um, hey, it's Carrie, and I just want to see how you are. She's like, you know, uh, I, I guess today's kind of okay. And I, I don't know, we made a little small chat, and I realized, like, I don't have the nerve to do this. Like, I oh, don't know how to do this. You were trying to find some kind of entry point, and it just wasn't happening. Yeah. I thought, okay, I'll write her a letter. So I said, you know, I was thinking maybe I'd write to you. Can I write to you at the hospital? And she said, well, you can, but my mom will have to read it to me. My eyes don't work anymore. Yeah. So that's when it was like, oh, I see. Like, my friend genuinely is dying. You know, like, there isn't an out to this. I have to tell, like, I have to, <laughs> have to convert her so that she enters heaven upon her death, right? Yeah. So I... You do. <laughs> I'm, like, trying to get up the nerve. And finally, she's, you know, this is, like, a very awkward conversation on her end. She has no idea why I'm course. calling. I'm making small talk and then long gaps of silence. So she says, okay, I have to go. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll call tomorrow. And you can guess what happens the next day. There was no tomorrow. There was no tomorrow. Oh. So the next day I go to school and I walked into class and my English teacher who knew I was friends with Bridget said, like, you need to go to the library. And I just knew, like, teachers don't send you to the library. You know? So I went to the library and there were like five or six of us in there. And it was all her friends. So I was like, okay, I see. And so I, <laughs> I'm just making Ross cry. Uh, yeah, so I went to this meeting. We're all talking. And I, everyone's saying just like, well, I'm really sad, but I know she was really sick. Gets to me. And I'm like, I'm afraid she's in hell. Yeah. Like she's somewhere. She's somewhere permanent. Heaven or hell, those are the options. Right. You know? And everyone's looking at me like, like fuck, lady. Friend <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>, the- <laughs> just died. This Can we is just neither the time. Heaven? Neither the time nor the place. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, but at the same time, if you believe that, it's exactly the time and the place. Right. So I'm like, kind of panicking, you know. And I call Mike, my youth pastor, and tell him. And oh, no. I'm like, I didn't talk to her. I didn't talk to her about Jesus. And now he's the youth pastor trying to pull you back from the edge. Also, and that's such an uncomfortable position because he has to both keep up and i think he genuinely believes the importance of the narrative about what happens after you die yeah so he has to keep me believing i need to proselytize to people and comfort me for not proselytizing to people yeah and he said well carrie like i personally believe that god gives everyone at least a chance to know jesus or it just wouldn't be fair for him to make so much right on that right so I, i think bridget got her opportunity in some way it's always an honor to get to be the person who does that, but we don't always get to be the person who does that. So it's like, okay, okay, that's okay, okay. I can wow. handle that. Now, if you had gone to the Mormon camp, they would tell you that you could baptize. <laughs> we can still handle this. For her and send someone into the afterlife to minister to her. <laughs> Life begins early and ends very late for the Mormons. <laughs> <laughs> that faith can put you in such situations where on top of something that's already a bad situation and horrible, it has to introduce this discomfort that's fueled by your sense of duty. Oh my goodness, what what a fraught situation. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. So then that summer, I go back to church camp. There's recommitment night on Wednesdays, of course. It's when someone plays the guitar and you all cry. Okay. I want to say, by the way, that obviously life is filled with situations like that anyway i don't want to pin that all on religion but in this case it was religion that put you in that right right so that summer i go back and on 
recommitment night. <laughs> I feel like I can't recommit myself to Jesus. Was this weekly, the recommitment? Probably, but I mean, camp was a week. Okay. Now, when you say camp, was this at the church facility? Was it an actual outdoor kind of thing? It was at Forest Home in Big Bear. Not to be confused with Forest Lawn. That's a cemetery. Yeah, you won't have as much fun there. Big Bear. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. It's still there. I go to their website sometimes. (laughs) Oh, interesting. The winter camp would involve skiing and... No, the winter camp had more to do with like staying inside by a fire and playing the guitar. Okay. But I think there were some winter sports, but (laughs) I did not partake. But you would be doing outdoor activities as well as... The summer, yeah. Okay. Summer, definitely. So... This particular summer when I feel like I can't rededicate myself, I'm really struggling with this one question like, well, what about Bridget? You know, she only got 13 years. Most of us get many decades. By that, I don't mean of life. I mean of opportunity to accept Jesus, which is all that matters. And so, you know, I'm still hanging on to Mike's words, but it's not doing enough for me. So I ask one of the camp interns like what she thinks and she said well it sounds to me like god gave you a lesson like that you should never ever let this happen again oh no like you need to make sure you never fail again like you failed yeah oh that you never again let someone you love die without having accepted (sighs) jesus and the implication there is your friend is indeed probably in hell so it's an important lesson god taught you with the tortured soul of your (laughs) friend bridget so That hits me like a ton of bricks. And even though Mike is this person who I respect so much more and have an existing relationship with. Her answer somehow feels more consistent. It certainly was. But I think it's more that her answer had higher stakes. Mm -hmm. Like if I ignore what Mike said, nothing happens. If I ignore what she says and she's right, it's it's catastrophic. A mini Pascal's wager. So we got to take this one seriously because of the stakes. Okay. So... (laughs) After that, just for a good year, I would just stay up at night crying and like begging God, like, is there a way to like switch her place with me? Mm. Like, I did this. This is my fault. I remember like banging my head on the wall, like trying to make the emotional pain go away. Just really ugly, terrible year. And that's when I'm pretty sure what could have been called like clinical religious OCD began. Mm -hmm. I was never going to let that happen again, just (laughs) like the lady told me. Oh, no. (laughs) Now we've made a little like Harriet the Spy version of an evangelist. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. In everyone's business. Are you going to heaven? (laughs) So now not only am I just a social pariah in that I'm (laughs) making sure every single person has heard about Jesus. It's their opportunity. But also just like internally tortured all the time Mm -hmm. about whether I am confessing enough, whether I'm talking to God enough. And okay, my friend Chelsea, she goes to church and she's hardly ever talking about God. So maybe that's okay. No, no. Chelsea's got her own walk with Jesus. Don't compare yourself to her. Hmm. You know the truth. You've been convicted. So if she hasn't, that makes you the lucky one. And so Hmm. it just became more and more like sort of internally cloistered and so much confessing, just like all day, really. Like if I dropped a pen and thought, oh, shoot, I'd think like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, Mm. why am I thinking this negative thing? All that happened is I dropped a pen. And if I think 
that that was bad, then I'm saying your plan is bad. Because when you wrote The Universe, you knew that I would drop a pen on so March ev- 2nd, 1997. Oh, no. So <laughs> everything is getting played out three, four moves ahead. Yep. This is scrupulosity. Yep. Oh, uh, how painful. Oh, my God. It was horrible. Think if you could have applied that to playing chess. <laughs> it would have been great. Yeah. And I didn't learn chess until I was like 32. That's the kind of kid that would uh, be a little chess champion. Absolutely. <laughs> also, God, I really wish someone at this point had been like, why don't you take a run? Oh, yeah. Let's take a swim. Something let's to just, clear your head. Let's get just a little bit of that juice that wants to just yep. constantly yep. run in your head. Let's just yep. move that a little bit. No one said this to me. Oh, I should also say... When Bridget died, apparently she saw angels in the room. Oh. And told her mom that. And That's a good sign. <laughs> it seems good. And said to her mom, like, get the head angel to stand in the middle because I need to talk to them. I'm not ready to go yet. Wow. Yeah. So I always would think about that and think, like, well, maybe they were good angels, but oh, wait, no. Like, maybe an angel still like ushers you to judgment. And then at judgment. Oh no! Just, <laughs> yeah, all so. these scenarios. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh. So now 1998-ish rolls around. So I had this really good friend in high school, best friend in high school and middle school, who was just wonderful. Is still my friend, and he developed a drinking problem like pretty young, like ninth grade. Oh wow. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So little Christian Carrie, I was like terrified. You were like Carrie Nation. exactly i carried around a little axe um but i would like come to his house unexpectedly to make sure he wasn't drinking and stuff like that gave Uh, his bottle 40 wax i (laughs) want i want to see how many stories i can combine up your uh famous historical women with axes so I became like really obsessive about like I need to help Ryan. Like here it is, God is giving me the test again. Yeah, I have someone he can't to be save. the next Bridget. Yep. So meanwhile, like I'm getting terrible grades in school because none of that fucking matters compared to your friend going to heaven or not. Right. You want me to f- solve for X? Fuck you. You know. <laughs> so like I'm spending all my time writing notes to him and praying for him and obsessing. So one night, he and I are on the phone and don't know what we were talking about, but suddenly, like, his voice gets really low and growly. And in my 14-ish-year-old brain, I'm like, that can't possibly be him. He couldn't make that voice. Of course not. This is a mystery of the kingdom of God. (laughs) Right. So yeah, this like otherworldly voice comes out and it's saying stuff like, Ryan wanted someone to be here with him. We got here first. Like really spooky ass Yeah. I'm like, okay, there's a demon here. I have to exercise the demon. And I've been reading my Bible very consistently. I know how to do this. Mm -hmm. And I know that Jesus said any of his followers can do it. Do what Jesus did. Yep, I'm going to do it. So (laughs) sitting there on my freaking Mickey Mouse phone and I'm like, (laughs) you have to get out of there. Jesus died for this boy. He doesn't belong to you. He belongs to God. This is very dramatic, but I'm also imagining Mickey Mouse's reaction to this conversation. <laughs> it was the kind of Mickey oh, Mouse one. <laughs> it's also the kind of Mickey Mouse one where he's holding the receiver. So as you're talking, you're looking at Mickey and he's oh, no. just smiling at you. 
Okay, so better um, get off that demon. <laughs> the test is here. <laughs> no, but I also want to acknowledge this is a very scary moment, and yep. and you've told me the story before, but this is so interesting knowing the context. Yeah, and I mean, I was shaking. As you might expect. Yeah. I really believe this is a demon. So I'm like shouting it out of Ryan. And it feels like this goes on for like an hour to an hour and a half. Wow. But if you told me it was 10 minutes, I could believe that. Mm. I just can't. I can't get the demon out. So I keep telling it to leave. And it'll say, you're boring me. Why don't you go call Mike or something? Oh, shit. It knows about Mike. It knows about Mike. It knows things Ryan couldn't possibly know, like the name of my very best friend. Um, (laughs) And also says, you think you're having some effect on Ryan. He was just drinking the other day. So stuff like that. It's not going away. It's not going away. I'm still shaking. And just in a, a moment of weakness, I... Slam the phone down mm. and immediately realize I have I, let I failed again. Yeah, I have let him down. Here was test number two. I didn't do it. And so I pick the phone back up. I call back, ring, 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 doesn't answer. Call back, ring, 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 doesn't answer. And so that happens 10 times. He's clearly not going to answer. Oh, no. So I call the next morning and I say, Hey, Ryan, do you remember what happened last night? And he said, Yes, something was here. Hmm. And that experience, strange as this sounds, solidified my faith through like so much rockiness thereafter because it was like I saw evil. So even though I've never seen Jesus, even though I've never touched God, I've doubted in the past, how could there be that? I know that's real and that holds everything else together. Yeah. And yeah, the whole time as you were saying that, I was wondering in my head, is he having a laugh is he playing a game is he being a jerk because he knows you have these beliefs is he just playing out a role that Mm -hmm. he's kind of assumed and fallen into maybe gotten a little too deep but he's still your friend you've been able to talk to him about this i have and i don't think he's listed to the show so that's not a risk but he has talked to me about it a couple times there have been other times i've tried to talk to him about it it didn't make him comfortable so i'll just let it go but The times that I was able to talk to him about it, he said, I really don't know how to even talk about that night. I don't know what to call it. It doesn't feel quite like having gone crazy or something. Hmm. But I can tell you this. I wasn't lying. I would tell you now. He wasn't trying to mess with you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That conversation was probably when we were like 22 or something. So Mm -hmm. it was like, you know, we were kids. I would tell you if I was just janking your chain. I wasn't. Which would have been really shitty, but that's nice to know. Yeah. In retrospect, he didn't do that. And- He ended up going to Yale School of Drama. He's an incredible actor. Hmm. And I really think looking back on that, that that was just what good actors do. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Anyway, didn't have that thought process then. So 1999, still in high school. Okay. I start to doubt God a little bit. I can't really remember the flavor of this. I just know that I did. Interesting. I think it was just basically like, there's been no real confirmation. Okay. It's so interesting because at school, it sounds like you're not really being forced to confront these ideas. When you're at school, it sounds like you're kind of at school. Or is your religion playing into it? I guess at school, like no one's really asking me questions per se, 
because it's a secular school. Yeah, I'm just so used but, to that school experience being a time of religious, right. constant you know, questioning. So instead, for me, like I was saying, my grades were really bad because I was just obsessing about all this stuff. Well, that's hard to imagine. You just seem like the kind of person who would have been always straight-A student. Oh, thank you. Well, you know, here's what's interesting looking back, and another reason to be not thrilled with the old parents it would be like seventh grade straight a's one semester and then all d's like so like awkward. a cry for pay attention <laughs> right? intervene yeah right i tried all the a's that didn't do anything now i'm gonna <laughs> fail horribly you're gonna do something yeah oh man yeah it was obvious that like my aptitude was high and my production would sometimes just be incredibly low and that was just always treated like I was lazy. Okay. So I was doing musicals every year. That just has to be mentioned. Did The Wiz, Bye Bye Birdie, The Music Man, The Pajama Game. Ooh. Incredible experience. Oh, yeah. Weren't you Amaryllis? Yes. In, oh, very good. Yes, I was. And I remember saying to a teacher, like, oh, being in a musical, it's a lot like a religious experience. Hmm. And so I had a sense that like, oh, those chemicals in my brain like can be produced other ways. Yeah. Also this year, 1999, I saw Magnolia for the first time. Okay. Still my favorite movie. Okay. <laughs> and, and that had a really serious impact on me because there was a character on his deathbed who said, people are always saying not to regret anything. I don't believe that. You regret whatever the fuck you want. Hmm. And that just sort of struck me as like, an eternal truth. Like, okay. like, oh yeah, why do we talk about it like that? Sure, you shouldn't like carry around your regrets forever, but like that's how we learn. It's healthy to regret the things you did wrong. And this feeling of like, that's not what I'm taught exactly in church. And that lands with me stronger. I actually am allowed to pick that. Oh, weird. That's not a Bible quote, but it's <laughs> right. very insightful. <laughs> yeah, how does that I'm happen? gonna carry that forward. Yeah. And hide it in my heart. Exactly. Also that year saw Marjo for the first time. A oh, documentary about oh, Wow. Yeah. That'll introduce some doubts. Yeah. Okay. An evangelist who didn't believe and it's a great documentary. You should all go see it. But yeah, so those things are all sort of percolating in there when I Go off to college mm. and liberal education. University of the Will Pacific. Fuck you up. Where is that? That's near Sacramento, Stockton, California. Okay, you know who went there? Carrie Poppy. <laughs> yes, I've been paying attention. <laughs> also, Claire Knowlton. Oh wow! Best also, Minister Reverend Donnie Moore. <sighs> Who came up in the last story. Yes. Yeah, we should come back to him later because I didn't tell about his denouement. I was looking at the Instagram for his ministry today. Mm. And there was so much mention of UOP that I looked it up. And oh, wow. And he went there. Was Claire an instigator or were you an instigator for UOP? You know what? I don't know if I remember this correctly, but I have a very vague memory of saying to her, I was looking at all these schools and actually University of the Pacific sounds cool. And she said, I've been looking at all these schools and University of the Pacific sounds cool. Okay. So yeah, it was just sort of like, it's a sign. That's fun. Yeah. And then you lost sleep and you knew God wanted you to go there. <laughs> to marry Claire. <laughs> and now we are married. Since we're mentioning Claire, she did get her first shot. She did. Excellent. Okay, so... My childhood dog dies this year. That sucks, but it's not spiritual in nature per se. It didn't change your spiritual footing. Right. The 
extent to which it did is that I got into a fight with my friend Aaron because I refused to euthanize the dog. Mm. I was like, God chooses when people die. Mm -hmm. And my friend Aaron was like, yeah, but it's a dog. And I was like, fuck you. Hmm. Animals are just as important as people, which is standby. So I go off to college and start taking philosophy classes. And the first year I take a class called The Meaning of Life. And the professor, Dr. James Heffernan, at the beginning of the class said, if you're here because you want to know the meaning of life, you're at the wrong class. <laughs> like, you're not going to teach that. That's false advertising. Yeah, and I and I really was like, that's why I'm here. <laughs> oh, no. But I'm going to stick it out because it's also a GE. Okay. And at the end of it, I like, went up to him and I was like, you totally tell us the meaning of life. What are you doing? Don't sell yourself short. This is the best class. Wow. Absolutely. So in that class, I developed my first sense of internal peace that came from outside of religion. Wow. And okay. it was mostly Albert Camus, but other philosophers as well, hmm. who had basically said, there is no meaning of life, and that is so freeing. No one's giving you a meaning of life. You didn't ask to be here. Hmm. Even if you want to leave, now a lot of people will take umbrage to this part. If you want to leave right now, that is your prerogative. Right. But if you choose to stay, right, wonderful. right, and that Camus says that, and mm -hmm. okay. right. <laughs> and if your parents don't get to pick for you, if society doesn't pick, get to pick for you, if God doesn't pick for you, you get to pick. Mm. If you just want to be here and experience smells, that's fine. Just try to use as few resources as you can to do it, and don't go around killing everybody. It's fine. And I. You know, quite contrary to that experience of yeah. being 12 and needing rules. Right. Those rules had become so big and overwhelming that now it was like, oh. This is free. Oh, I just take all the good stuff I've learned. Yeah. But I don't have to apply it all to some test at the end. It's just all for me. Okay. <laughs> now we are talking. This sounds great. Okay. So had a little bit of personal peace until. Uh-oh. 2004. I adopt a Toomey, my sweet oh, little yes. pup, who was a very difficult little man, and I truly fall in love for the first time, this guy, Evan, and for the first week, week, mm -hmm. I cannot sleep. Oh, okay. So now God's roaring back with a clear message. And Evan had grown up in what he would now call a cult. And he was like, yeah, God is sending us a sign. Oh, wow. God. Okay. So he was signing on to that sign uh -huh. as well. Yep. And Evan had been in, he was like, let's see, I was 21 and he was like 23 or 4. And he had been in the army already. He joined on September 12th, 2001. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. So he had like a lot more life experience and would just speak with a lot of authority and was very persuasive. So I was with him for four years. And as you might imagine, just sort of became Christian again by osmosis you know right and that was kind of the expected role that he had for you mm -hmm. and it was easy to fall into that it wasn't it wasn't like it was a familiar role so it wasn't hard to outwardly adopt it internally i'm having like all these conversations with myself about why does the bible say this in one book and this completely contradictory <laughs> thing in another part and trying to make that all make sense for myself and he's extremely conservative christian as are his parents. So his whole life, he's just believed that he's going to have a wife who has kids and stays at home and 
he'll be making all the decisions and that's just a given. Mm -hmm. And I guess he must have talked about that, but it just, it was so the opposite of how our relationship was. That that you were able to hold this kind of alternate future in your mind that was a little more equanimical. Yeah. It's just like, he can't possibly actually think that. In no way are we like, ramping up to that maybe he says that but he's he's gonna find out he doesn't really feel that way either yeah i guess that would have been how i would have articulated it he would regularly say like well she's a lot smarter than me Mm -hmm. so it's like okay well then you you can't make all the decisions right (laughs) (laughs) but then one day it just came up like well no of course you're gonna have the kids and you're gonna be home I was like, oh, fudge. My little wife by the fire. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I don't know if I can do that. Oh, dear. So now I've got that going on inside me, but still in this relationship with this person I love. And I went off to intern at PETA, the animal rights organization. Mm -hmm. And while I was there, like a torrent of moral quandaries hit me at the same time. One was that... I was starting to face how central to my identity was this belief that animals believe more rights than they're generally given in this world, Mm. especially in the area of diet. And if you have the means and the health to not eat meat, that is what you should be doing. Mm -hmm. And then the Bible (laughs) is like, I give you all the animals for you to eat. That is why they are here. Don't worry. They don't have souls. Here they are on a sheet, Peter. We will lower them from heaven. (laughs) Right. I know we talked about this quite a bit in the Amazing Facts series, but Mm. you have to work kind of hard to make the Bible support a vegetarian, vegan lifestyle. You can. Of course, you can always do the backflips if you need to. Right. And there was a Christian vegetarian society that I belonged to, you know, (laughs) I'm like trying so hard to make this all work. The good old CVS. <laughs> right. Whenever you see a CVS, know that they're really That's just what it Christian actually stands for. And so. that's why they have the long receipts. <laughs> yes. Okay. So I'm at PETA. I'm dealing with these contradictory thoughts. And I had this conversation with Evan while I was there where he was like, no, I mean, I, I agree with you. We should be nicer to animals. But it can't be like a moral imperative because morals come from the Bible And the Bible doesn't say that, doesn't say we should worry about this, basically. I remember this moment, like holding myself on up to my face, wide, doe-eyed, and saying, I guess I think the Bible's wrong about that. And there was just (laughs) silence from both of us. This is not a thing you say. I know this is right. If the Bible were right, it would say that. (laughs) Right. So, yeah, he's like, okay, well. (laughs) A little damage controller, what um, do we do? (laughs) You can think that, but the Bible will stand on its own merits, you know. So, like, he's getting sort of pissy. And after that conversation took place, I'm sort of trying to turn in more to my other interns and the other people who are working in PETA as like, can you believe this? Like, my boyfriend isn't supporting this. And he's like saying the Bible doesn't believe in animal rights, blah, blah, blah. And I'm really trying to sort of switch communities, you know, lay down my roots here instead. Right. And they can all kind of objectively point at that and say, well, that's very parochial. Totally. Yeah. And almost everyone there is like a feminist. And Mm. so I'm like sort of trying to make this maneuver of like moving from this one moral camp, the Christians, to this other moral camp, you know, left wing vegans. (laughs) Um, And like you do, (laughs) like you do. And this one day I go to work at PETA and someone 
walks this little dog into the lobby and it's like yellow lab mix or something, just super happy, eight months old, wagging his tail, wants to lick everybody. And I'm like, oh, hi, little pup. Interact with this dog. My friend Violet interacts with this dog. And the person leading him in was like, okay, okay, like stop, stop petting the dog. And I thought, that's weird. And they lead the dog out. We never see the dog again. And so that night... I said to someone, like, did you see that puppy today? Like, it was a really sweet dog. Was whoever able to adopt them out? And the intern house coordinator, Joe, was like, oh, you know, that dog was put to sleep today. And I was like, oh, did he have parvo or something? You know, did he have some disease I wouldn't have noticed? What is that? Oh, like a a disease that puppies can have and they won't necessarily be obvious but it's so contagious that sometimes shelters just have to put them down gotcha they're like no at PETA we have this belief that shelters are really really overcrowded and we could just bring every healthy adoptable animal to the shelter but that's not necessarily the best thing to do when you have such a huge population problem and the truth of the matter is Not in every case, but in most cases, if it's not very obvious, we'll be able to find a home. We just go ahead and put the animal down. Mm. And Rage quit. Go join the religious community again. I remember like getting on my knees and crying in the window and just thinking like, I don't agree with anyone. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But at the same time, it was another affirmation of this thing that I was learning just over and over in my life, which is like, there aren't bad people. There just aren't. Like there's Mm going to be groups of people who seem like they have it all together and they're going to let you down some way. And you have two options of a response. One is everybody's terrible Mm -hmm. and the other is everybody's flawed Mm -hmm. and probably wonderful 80% of the time. Mm -hmm. And here is a group that's like completely dedicated to doing a moral thing. People who are getting $30,000 a year salaries. And literally some of these people on food stamps Hmm. in order to keep that job instead of going to the corporate world. Yeah, wow. And including like, I'll say it, the that shit founder of Peter. <laughs> like this, this woman who had, <laughs> she's crazy, but she had this one wonderful idea and she has fought for it for 30 years and is mostly great. You know, all of these people are just complex and there is no like perfect moral person out there. Mm-hmm. But that also means All of these decisions fall to you. You Mm -hmm. won't be able to turn to any person or book or group. It's just not going to be easy. Yeah. No one's going to tell you exactly how to live your life. They just aren't. Though I still stand by, you can learn the meaning of life at University of the Pacific, Meaning of Life 101. That's a pretty strong recommendation for that (laughs) class. Actually, I think half... uh, retired a couple of years ago. Well, so. you had access yep. to the meaning of life. It's gone now. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, so that began like the dissolution of my relationship with Evan. I came back, you know, there was a lot of conversation. It didn't just happen immediately, but I basically told him like, there is no way that I'm going to <laughs> be your wife and look after a bunch of kids <laughs> and like follow your orders. It's not even in me, even if I wanted to do it, and I don't want to do it. Our visions for the future are incompatible. (laughs) We have to face that. Although I think first the pitch was, our visions of the future are incompatible and mine is correct. Mm. And if you- Let me see if I can win you over. (laughs) Right. Which I still stand by because- 
his whole argument was like, it's in the Bible. And mm-hmm. my argument was like, there's a whole world outside the Bible. So we had a lot of back and forth conversations. And I remember him standing at the sink holding a sponge and saying, well, Carrie, if my pastor, if RB theme is wrong, how's a dummy like me ever supposed to figure out the truth? Hmm. And that began his faith deconversion. He's, mm. he's an agnostic now. Oh, wow. But those opposite journeys had begun, mm. and I moved to L.A. soon after that. Then I was haunted. Yes. Put a pin in that. Then- <laughs> <laughs> We know there's a story there. There's a story there, but it's all over the internet. You can go find it. I was haunted. Watch Carrie's TED Talk. Long story short, I was actually- poisoned by carbon monoxide and i thought i was being haunted and it was this very real very visceral experience wow and that woke me up to like oh okay like all those religious experiences i've been hearing about throughout human history probably had very terrestrial explanations that had to right. do with psychology and geology and chemistry mm-hmm. okay this sort of way of thinking is starting to make a lot more sense to mm. me and then I heard Richard Dawkins on the radio. He's on NBR. Hmm. It was like, okay, there's someone out there who doesn't believe in God and seems like a decently together, happy person, isn't like falling apart at the seams. I started looking for books on these topics. The first one I read was Mary Roach's Spook. Oh, yeah. Science Tackles the Afterlife. Oh, great. And again, I would honestly say, although all the arguments laid forth in those books were very compelling, a lot of the experience was reading the writing of someone who didn't believe and sort of picturing them writing it, thinking like, so Mary Roach just goes to dinner. Hmm. She's just okay. Like she doesn't think there's a God or spirits or anything. And she was able to write this whole book and go to sleep (laughs) at night and wake up in the morning and buy fresh flowers. (laughs) Okay. Like, maybe this is a way you can just be in it's this It's a workable world. lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. So started reading a bunch of those books and The God Delusion by Richard Dawkins, a complicated figure, but a great book. It was that sort of final straw yeah. that in any telling of the story will probably get most of the credit, but is also just sort of the last item on the seesaw. Right. A um, necessary but not sufficient condition. Yeah. Yeah. So I woke up. One morning, and I was laying in my bed, and it was Sunday, and I thought, oh, it's Sunday. Oh, my gosh. I haven't even thought about Sundays as, like, an important day of the week that belongs to God, and I should be going to church. I haven't thought of that in a minute. Hmm. And then I thought, I haven't really thought about God in a minute. I mean, I think about these questions of whether he exists, but I haven't talked to him or interacted with him. Am I... Oh, dear Lord, am I an atheist? (laughs) And I thought, okay, just like, calm down. (laughs) It's okay. You're probably not. (laughs) You're probably somebody else. I like that phrasing. Oh, dear Lord, am I an atheist? (laughs) Keep me up tonight if uh, (laughs) if you have any thoughts on that. (laughs) (laughs) This story is just all like sleep deprival. (laughs) Explains everything. So I stood up and I started like touching the cabinets in my kitchen Mm -hmm. and thinking like this is just wood (laughs) yeah you need to contact the somatic (laughs) this is is just wood and like the wood was a tree and the tree was (laughs) in the ground (laughs) 
and the ground is made of old earth, and the earth was formed by an explosion of stars. <laughs> like, I mean, it was mind-blowing shit. I was just walking around, like someone who's taken shrooms. Yeah. Like, just walking around, just like, this is so, well, this is, that's so hard. But this over here, that's soft. This is all perception. These are signals. They do this. This is all really here. Like, it's not all an illusion. Carrie's waving a pen in front of her face. I just picture you kind of walking around touching these things. Just let Carrie have her moment. (laughs) I mean, thank goodness no one else lived there. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, I guess that's what I am. I guess I'm. This really does. I mean, the way you're describing it reminds me of kind of the effects of ayahuasca. You know, when uh, these simple things are all of a sudden all connected and making just really apparent sense all of a sudden yeah yeah it was like reverse ayahuasca because instead of being like oh my god underneath the whole world is a network of spirituality (laughs) it was like oh my god above the network of spirituality there's a real world and so i think i probably had like some ups and downs in there of like hoping for faith again but there have been no moments since then that i've thought like is there really a God? Mm. Except when I'm trying to go there for someone else, like mm. when we're doing our work. And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, okay, in order to understand this, I need to. But need not to get for any space. personal need for you to mm-hmm. navigate through life. Yeah. Which I would call, not that I coined this or anything, but, you know, a functional atheist. Usually when people ask me that, I've always felt really uncomfortable with labeling my mindset it's mm-hmm. always just been very awkward to me but behavior yeah like i don't mind being called a journalist because that's what i do and i'm not telling you whether i'm good at it or bad at it i'm not telling you how you should interpret my frame of mind and whether i'm great but journalism is happening yeah you know and it might be terrible <laughs> whereas things like skeptic and atheist atheist should be neutral but it's not to me but like skeptic seems self-congratulatory to me and also just othering i'd rather people People ran into me and were like, she's just a person and here's mm-hmm. what she thinks. <laughs> right. But when people ask, are you an atheist? I usually say, I'm an agnostic philosophically, but like I'm an atheist in practice. Like, I go through this world as if there's probably not a God. I think I've mentioned this before, but for me, kind of the cutoff, if you're a believer, and I understand this is just one metric and semi-arbitrary, but I think like if you face a problem in your life or a decision or something where you really need to reflect and you go to God and try to talk to him, her, it, I think that's a sign of being religious, that you would actually Mm. seek God's counsel. Okay. If I have to draw a line, that's where I do. That's just kind of helpful as a rubric. And so I see you kind of crossing that threshold there and realizing, oh, there's nothing... I need this for in my life to be contacting this external source. You know, you mentioned in our last episode that, you know, some people who pray and sometimes I will pray. I'm just totally aware that it's like a little song and dance for me. Mm -hmm. I'm talking to a voice in my head that's kind of a modeled version of some objective person who's not me. Yeah, the same way I might talk to my computer and be like, Ron, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it's not doing anything, but it's for me to sort of... Right. Speak out loud what I'm thinking and feeling and maybe redirect myself. Because if I hear myself saying, like, run, you fucker, at the computer, I can then hear that and go, oh, the computer's going to do its thing. Why don't you get up and get a glass of water? Yeah, yeah. And in the same way, like, I can pray to sort of, like, hear my thoughts out loud. I remember my pastor 
kind of giving me one of his stories that really held together his faith. And he was saying how he was dealing with these boys at something like a camp situation. And they were just not living up to his expectations. He was really frustrated. So he went out to have a moment and kind of talk to God. And he felt that God told him, just love them. Go back and love them. Mm. And he said, there's no way I would have come up with that. (laughs) And I thought, well, you can model that. You have enough of a... I didn't say this to him. Right, right, right. I nodded and said, oh, that's really nice. But I was thinking... (laughs) Well, of course, you have a character named God in your head, and you can play out how he would react in such a situation. And that's what also like a poster at Target. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. There's a lot of movies for which that is just the basic message. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. These things can come from other sources. Wow. So you finally realized it and kind of put a label on it. Yeah. I mean, enough that I could be like, if you take. Richard Dawkins, <laughs> seven levels of theism, mm-hmm. and everybody's on that line. I'm, let's see, I think it was a six, which is like, I can't be positive because that is literally impossible, but I'm going to live my life as if there is no God. Okay, yeah. So, you know what? You can call me a six. Do you think that's why Blossom's best friend is named Six? I didn't know that was Blossom's friend's name. Well, you should. Watch some more Blossom, I guess. Anyway, this skips over a whole bunch of stuff, like working at Farm Sanctuary, working at PETA for three years. Yeah. Uh, You were still there when I met you. Yep. And not able to afford food. (laughs) Oh, man. There's just so much. There's so much to a life. Yeah. And then I met Drew. He's waving. Unfortunately for Drew, this story is about my faith journey, and he entered my life way after it was over. Womp womp. But is it ever really over? Is it ever over? Yes. (laughs) 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 Well, actually, I will say this. When I first realized I didn't believe in God anymore, I wrote a Facebook essay about that realization, and a guy called Donnie Pauling. Donnie. Speaking of Donnie's. Who had popped up here and there in my life and been his own bag of trouble. He commented and said, well, I'll give you $500 if you reach the age of 40 and don't believe in God again. I'm sure he'll make good on that. And I'll tell you what. You're coming collecting. I found his address every year to make sure I am on it on my 40th birthday. I'm going to demand that check. He (laughs) has been in and out of prison, and I still was like, if I have to, I will send it to that jail. Yeah. Not really. I wouldn't do that. Uh, But I'm sure you have that screenshotted and saved. Oh, yeah. I have all Shove right back in his Donnie little face. I'm, that guy's uh, a genuine jackass. He is, he is. But a carceral state's still bad. Pr- oh, yeah. Prison's not a great system. Sure. But, More um, retributive than restorative. Exactly. We've really got a lot of <laughs> philosophy in this podcast. Since you were mentioning a Donnie, I'll go oh, back, yeah, yeah. I'll go back to the other Donnie. Yeah, as I was editing the last episode where I was telling my story, I kept thinking of additional stories. Like, oh, it would have been fun to talk about this. But of course, it was already an insanely long podcast. But I will update on Donnie Moore, the guy who made me to speak in tongues, Mm -hmm. for lack of a better term. So since we'd started the podcast, I'd been occasionally just checking in to see what he was up to. 
because he was still with Donnie Moore Ministries, giving talks, doing the same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I wa- I would feel like I belonged there if my name was Donnie Moore. <laughs> yes, I would imagine so. And I was really, really hoping that you and I would get to go to one of his oh, yeah. altar calls and try to speak in tongues book. again. Yeah, right. Rip a phone book. I really wanted to do a podcast about that. Mm-hmm. And I had been more active about that. I'd been kind of looking at his upcoming slate and I was trying mm-hmm. to find a way because he was still mostly in Northern California. Mm-hmm. It was very rare that he would come anywhere close to us. And so I was keeping an eye on that. And then he died mm-hmm. just a couple years ago. Yeah, 2018. I just happened to look him up today and yeah. learn this as well. So June 2018. Uh, this is going to be an incomplete Historics. I don't have all the details mm-hmm. fresh in my mind, so I may be wrong on little pieces of this. But he had a camp, mm-hmm. essentially, kind of like the sort of thing we're talking about, sort of a Jesus camp, if you've mm-hmm. seen that film, analogous situation. And one of his higher-ups, I want to say like his number two at that camp, had abused children. Oh, and, and admitted to it? Yes, I okay. believe so. So this had become a public issue, and he was getting raked over the coals for it. Mm. And a lot of the Assemblies of God Church, which he was affiliated with, was standing up for him, Mm. and a lot of it wasn't. So this became kind of an internal split, and he died by suicide. In the midst of that. In the midst of all this. So I'm pretty sure it's related to that. He probably suffered with depression on some level. But, you know, for someone who's job it is to go out and be preaching to people Mm. just how essential Christ is in your life. You know, that's all the more such a crushing blow and so at odds with the message there. So Kara's mom, who was still an Assemblies of God minister, still keeping Mm. up her ministry license, was kind of involved with this because that church at Green Valley was still very much tied to his ministry. They would send children to that camp, and he was a regular speaker there. And so every now and then I would find out after the fact he'd come to give a talk at my old church. And I'd be like, oh, I would have driven up for that. Mm. Anyway, so when he died, then there was all the more division about this, and the church wanted to kind of write him off and say, you know, actually, we don't think he handled that well, and Mm. we don't want to honor his memory, essentially. Wow. And so that church where I had gone as a child and where Carr's mom was still affiliated, they left the Assemblies of God denomination in protest, Hmm. and Carr's mom gave up her ordination as a protest in how they treated Donnie Moore. Wow, okay. They felt that the church should have stuck by him. And right. That maybe even by giving him such a hard time over these accusations that they mm-hmm. drove him to suicide. So a sad ending to mm-hmm. that story. And I was hoping it was going to end with us speaking in tongues with Donnie Moore at some point. Oh, man. Yeah, that's really, really tough. little addendum there. It reminds me, though, about one of the big honors of doing the show, which is hearing from people who are sort of in parts of society where they have to be really secretive. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of that just in terms of the burden on Donnie Moore. I mean, it could very well be that he handled this horribly, but I'm just thinking of the burden of... Keeping up appearances. Mm-hmm, yeah, keeping up appearances when you have depression or you're not ready to hold the faith hot potato and everyone right. else needs you to. And we've heard here and there from like ministers who are like, I can't leave, I'll be doing this. Right. Yeah. Because <laughs> this is my standing in society. This is how everybody knows me. It's my identity. That, I, am, I am the potato. I am the potato. I am Mr. Potato Head. And 
usually I think it comes with a heavy dose of obligation of just like, well, even if some of this is wrong, it's holding some people's lives together and I'm holding those people together. I can point to enough positive benefits of this that it's worth keeping up the entire Mm -hmm. edifice. Yeah. So hi to those people. Yeah. (laughs) We're really honored to be part of your lives. Yeah, we're rooting for you. And if we can be some solace with this kind of conversation, then we are very glad to fill that role. I know that the Freedom From Religion Foundation also has a group for disaffected ministers, if anybody gets to that point. Oh, yeah. Uh, Is that the clergy project? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I first heard about that from uh, Daniel Dennett. Okay. Because Dan Barker, who started that org, is an old pastor. Yes. Who can still speak in tongues at the drop of a hat. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. I've heard him play the piano, though. Yeah, he's a fun character, Dan Barker. (laughs) He is. I wouldn't be surprised if he started doing cartoons. Yeah, why not? Yeah, that seems like his thing. (laughs) I think that's my whole story other than working in the organized skepticism movement, which could be its own podcast. Yeah, you you almost kind of got to the point where we met each other. Oh, yeah. Then I met Ross, (laughs) and life truly began. (laughs) (laughs) How did you find CFI? I first heard of CFI in the resources section of The God Delusion in the Ah, back of the book. Oh, yeah. And I remember looking at it and thinking, Center for Inquiry, I like that name. And then I didn't even realize it was like here in town. And I just happened to drive down Hollywood and see it. crazy. And go, what? That's in the back of the book. And so then I started going there and that's where I met you. That's so cool. I feel like we were just a couple years displaced where- Mm. The God Delusion came out, and I remember reading it voraciously, but at that point, I had already crossed that Rubicon, and Mm. this was just affirmation. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, okay, oh, that's a good argument, I'm going to use that one, you know, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Uh, Richard Dawkins had already had an influence on me through other writings of his. But yeah, I was still very much involved there and and still am. And then it was great to have you come in. And I had left the faith in 2004. Okay. And then for you, it was what, 2007? I've tried to place this. And I'm not sure if it's 2007 or 2008, but I'm pretty sure it's one or the other. Okay. So very cool that life led us to meet each other. Yeah. Start this project. God led us to meet each other. Oh. Whoa. And the first week, I couldn't sleep. <laughs> it turns out I just have a sleep disorder. <laughs> <laughs> hadn't, hadn't weighed that into the equation. <laughs> you know what's funny about that? It's probably true. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing your story, Carrie. You're welcome. And that is my tale. Thank you for sharing your tale. Hmm. <laughs> It sounds different Mm. now. I mean, I didn't mean it that way. Yeah, but now that I've said it. You've ruined it. I've heard. (laughs) I ruined it. We've ruined it. We ruined it together. What we didn't ruin is Maximum Fun Drive, which is still going on. It's impossible to ruin because it's the perfect two weeks of the year. You have till Friday and maybe Saturday and Sunday, but really just do it by Friday. To help us set our goals for this next year, to help us meet some of these stretch goals. Yes, we have special goals for this show in particular. And let me just say, we need your help to get there. We set lofty goals. (laughs) 
<laughs> and we're not going to make them unless you help us. I, in fact, we may have just, by the time you heard this, unlocked the 1,500 new and upgrading members, which means that all of you new members and existing members will get our Advanced Academy of Deliverance episodes delivered to the bonus feed. But, but there's a lot of stretching left to do. That's right. And we know that at the end of the drive, a lot of people finally say, okay. This is the moment. This is my big day. And I think for you, Anne, and mm-hmm. Mary, and mm-hmm. John, and Patrick, and Lilith, and Stefan, and David, and Courtney, and Jack, and... <laughs> it's turning into quite a little psychic routine. Rosalyn, and... Kenneth. This is your day. And you've been thinking, well, let's see how they do. Maybe they'll get a bunch of other people who support them. Well, guess what? We need you to help us by jumping in and and getting a membership. We would really, really appreciate that. And if you are driving in a car right now and you are driving behind a car with a license plate that has the letter J in it, that is a sign from God. Or if it has the number six, that is also a sign from God. Absolutely. That you need to become a Maximum Fun member. So stop, collect yourself that you have witnessed a miracle, (laughs) and go to MaximumFun.org forward slash join. Once you've safely stopped your car. Yes, then and only then. But if we do meet our next stretch goals at 2,000 new and upgrading and boosting members we will record and release an album of both of us singing praise songs and hymns that we remember from our childhood in fact you sing quite a bit of a praise hymn in caroline opals in the mystery boxes that's true refiner's fire my heart's one (laughs) desire that was my favorite as a kid and for some reason i wrote out like half the song in in the book you got to revel in it yes so that's at 2000 at 2500 which is possible we might get there. We could, we could still do it. We could do it. Could Our voices are going to die, but it could happen. Well, we could. We'll host a one-hour Ross and Carrie psychic Colin show live. That's right. Featuring three men named Colin. <laughs> We're not going. <laughs> this is my. This is <laughs> we're my. We're just inviting three men named Colin, and then we're going to the movie. This has been a longstanding dream of mine to get everybody I know named Colin to create a Colin show where we berate people if they try to call the number we provide. I have one friend named Colin. Do you have any Collins? Yeah. Okay. Quite a few Collins okay, in my you life. guys, listen. We're upping the stakes. <laughs> if we get to twenty five hundred. We will do the one-hour Ross and Carrie Psychic Colin show live with at least one Colin as a guest. I know my buddy Colin Mapp would totally be down for it. Okay, excellent. Have him prepare some questions. Okay. And if we get to 3,000, we will do a live reading of the script to the film The Exorcist with you and me, Ross and Carrie. And celebrity guests. And some celebrity guests, including Jonathan R.H. Hodgman. Ugh. This I'm should making exist. up his middle initials. I don't know what they are. But he's probably got a middle initial. Ron name. Howard. Probably R-H. Yeah. <laughs> Jonathan Ron Howard. That would be so great if that was his middle name and he just never mentioned it. <laughs> it's almost undoubtedly the case. And John Hodgman, if you're listening to this and you're not a Max Fun member, this what? is God telling you. Who else? Mallory O'Mara. Yes. Your good friend. And my friends, yes. my casual friends, my good but friend. your very good, very <laughs> close personal friend, uh, J. Keith Van Stratton. Oh, awesome. He's so witty. He is. Justin McElroy. Great guy. Non-Max Fun person, but Max Fun adjacent, Natalie Palomitas. And I'll be there to make sure that it's not just Carrie doing an impersonation of Natalie. <laughs> oh, hey, guys. It's oh, Natalie, what are you doing here? I guess. That's uh, crazy. Oh, I'm possessed. Well, <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
Brea Grant. Yes. She's so smart. Dan McCoy. Oh my goodness. You already mentioned Janet Varney before. Janet Varney. That's Ugh, right. And such... more and more. But this won't happen unless we reach 3,000 yeah. new upgrading and boosting members. And once you set a goal like this, then you can't do it unless people fulfill <sighs> it. And then you're bummed. Look at this great idea we had and we were looking forward to it. Now we don't get to do it. <sighs> so please let us do it. Yeah. Help us out, let Meredith. Let us do it. Yeah, Susan, what's holding you up at this point? I was going to say Kimberly, because Meredith made me think of that. Oh, sure. And then I was just going to list off all the names of our previous people we've investigated. Cindy. Shock and Tolly, if you're listening. (laughs) (laughs) Also known as Victoria. Right. If you're listening and you're not a MaxFound member, God has a message specifically directly to you, and you know that God speaks to you, so you know that this is true. You need to become a member. That was logically impenetrable. Uh, again, thank you to everybody who supported us. And I know right now you're you're itching at the bit. You're like, oh, you said my name, or I know I need to make these stretch goals happen. How do I support? Uh, you go to maximumfun.org/join. That's J-O-I-N. That's why if there's a J in the car in front of you. Oh, I see. I see. That wasn't why, but okay. it could be. Also, if you see a school bus right now, that's also a sign. <laughs> or if you have a dog and the dog looks up at you and tilts her head right now that's also a sign okay if your partner and it doesn't matter if the loud noise caused your dog to look correct please turn up your volume irrelevant if your partner says how long do you think she's gonna do this (laughs) right now that is also a sign there's so many signs just look around if your ice dispenser okay. makes that gurgle noise. The borborygmus like, of your oh, of that's your a fun word. refrigerator. Yeah, that's the sounds that one's intestines make. Oh, nice. While digesting those gurgle gurgles. Yes, if your ice dispenser makes their borborygmus correct. Um, right now, <laughs> that's a sign. Just for the rest of the day, anything slightly odder that you notice. Yeah, send us your sign. signs. Anything that you interpret as a sign, please let us know. Let us know what made you become a member. Fantastic. And I hope it is something very stupid and irrelevant <laughs> and not the hard work we've put in for 10 years. But I still hope you tell us about it. But tell us, yeah. And remember, there's a lot in it for you too. All of those gifts that we talked about, all the bonus content, all the pins, the tea infuser. We didn't even talk about all these advanced, for whatever level you're ready to give at, there's a $35 level, there's $100. You can get in the upper echelons of Maximum Fund supporters if you are able mm-hmm. to support us at there's that amount. fancy stuff up there. Sam, you got 200 to throw down? Do it. Reach for the stars. And thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody who's already a member. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody who has committed today to become a member when they can in their soul. And... Thank you to my childhood youth pastor, Mike Langford. Oh, for yeah. For me the person I am. Oh, yeah. We just had Mother's Day. How did your call go? <sighs> I actually went <laughs> to California Adventure on Mother's Day. So oh, the no. The day before. Okay. The day before, I texted Whew. him. Well, I texted him and said, is it too late to call? Because he has four kids. Yeah. It's like, is it too late to call? It's like 9 p.m. And I was like, I can't call tomorrow. I'm going to be at California Adventure. He hasn't texted back. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> 
I know. So I got to call him this week. I'll call him this. I'll call him slash my mother this week. Okay. And here's wishing you luck in the aftermath of this episode, because I can't tell you, this was frankly surprising to me, how many of my family members and like high school friends and even college friends immediately listened to that episode and contacted me. So crossing my fingers for you. I love all of you. You're all very important and good. It was mostly all very positive, but it was just, it was a lot. Well, hi to everybody I've ever known and hi to you, the listener, and thank you. Fun story though, my sister Jennifer, as she started listening, she was driving down Mission Street (gasps) and when I mentioned CLC, Christian Life Center in Santa Cruz, she was just passing it. (sighs) It's a sign. Did she become a member? Well, she better now. She better. Jennifer, if you're listening to this right now, you don't become a member, then you do not follow signs and you're going to get a ticket. (laughs) And Ross will still love you forever. Well, maybe. Well, that's it. For this episode. And for my life story. Yeah, thank you for sharing. You're welcome. Learn more about you. Yeah. That's always nice. Yeah. We should do this more often just so you and I can get to know each other. Yeah. uh, Next time we'll pick up when I'm 21. (laughs) Well, that's it for our show. Our theme music is by Brian Keith Dalton. This episode was edited by Victor Figueroa. Our administrative manager is Ian Kramer. And you know it. You can support this and all our episodes and investigations and adventures by going to MaximumFun.org forward slash slash join. join. J-O-I-N. And remember, the fucking regret and guilt. These things, don't let anyone ever say to you, you shouldn't regret anything. Don't do that. Don't. You regret what you fucking want. Use that. Use that. Use that regret. For anything, any way you want. You can use it, okay? Maximumfun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.